Welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today I'm joined by Paula, Guavena, Christian and Jakub to discuss using tech for good. So before we get into it, let's work our way around the room with some quick introductions. Guavena, do you want to start things off? Sure. Um, thank you for having me here. So my name is Kwabna Jabwabibu. I work with UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, and I've been working for the agency for the past four years, and I'm currently serving as the Associate Analytics Officer. And as part of my portfolio, I mostly lead in um, soft building internal software solutions and also um, the day-to-day um, data analytics work within the communications um, division of UNHCR. So I have a background in international development, communications, as well as software engineering and data science. So um, that is me there. Perfect. Paula? Yeah, thanks for having me here as well. Really looking forward to the cool discussions we're going to have. Um, I'm working at the moment as the Chief Technology Office at Brain Plus, where we're developing a digital therapeutics solution for people with dementia and their caregivers. I'm there to lead the technical strategy and team. And uh, we have already launched a product on the market. And uh, it's uh, super interesting to be uh, live with the product, getting input from the market and also leading the team to not be too stressed about it. Um, It's super interesting. I also have worked previously in larger corporations, but now more in a startup environment. Perfect. And Jakub? Yes, hello everybody and uh, thank you for having me here today. So very excited for this discussion. So I'm, uh, I'm actually starting a new position 1st of May as technology director for mCloud at Devo team. I will be managing a team of uh, highly skilled Microsoft Cloud engineers. So really looking forward to that. I, I had a fairly long career in consulting, uh, but I think, you know, thinking about it for, for this podcast, I think my overarching theme has been uh, technology-driven innovation. And essentially, that means uh, trying to identify new trends early and figuring out how to apply them. So this has been one of my passions. I've been through quite a lot of tech waves, I think, from the dot-com waves, early days, cloud computing, digital, and the later years, I focused a lot on analytics and AI. And uh, yeah, the reason why I actually joined this podcast, I think right now we're in the we're in, we're in the middle of, uh, of 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 cloud native solutions becoming the new norm. And I think a lot of my future work will not so much be how to build solution yourself, but more how to adopt. And I think one of the the scariest things, at least for me, is that that uh, you know it's gotten so easy to use, so both for good or bad. And that's why I think this this topic is so important to discuss. Yeah, great. And last but not least, welcome back, Christian. Thank you, and and thank you for inviting me again. I guess that was because it was a good conversation last time. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I still work as a director of data science in the Liquor Group, um, and heading up the the incubation team, consisting of a lot of very skilled data scientists as well. Um, so we've basically been given the key to all of the Liquor Group to figure out how can we use data um, and data science for something good, um, both for our product, obviously, also for the company and also for how can we help further our goals within sustainability and giving even better, uh, more educational products to kids. So, and I, I think this is a very interesting topic. I have a very sort of high personal goal of, of being able to leave this world at some point with a with it in a little bit better state uh, than I when, than when I arrived here. So that's my goal. And uh, I hope this podcast can contribute to it as well. Perfect. 
Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here and Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now we have established a context to each of you, let's move on to our topic in focus. So you all have questions or statements around using tech for good. And as usual, I'll work around the room with each of these questions and allow you to elaborate. And then each of you will then have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So first of all, uh, I think your question will set us up quite nicely here, Paula, which is what inspired you to pursue your current profession and how has that motivation evolved throughout your career journey? So do you want to go ahead, first of all, and tell us your thoughts? Yeah, I can start by sharing my story. Um, I think I got interested in the healthcare environment um, and seeing the opportunities in this area while working in the um, on my master's thesis, where together with another student, we were working on developing a search engine for helping clinicians find diagnosis for difficult medical cases. So it's not a common cold, but actually things that are a bit more difficult to identify. And that master thesis actually got a lot of uh, publicity and we compared it with some other medical tools. And it started being used by both clinicians and patients. And realizing that combined with actual feedback from patients that actually searched for their symptoms and went to their doctor and said, like, look what, what I found. What do you think? And the doctor saying, OK, let's test for this. And they finally got a diagnosis after many, many years. One of the issues with rare diseases is that it's taking time until you get a diagnosis. Uh, so you're often sent from, from one doctor to another for scans and so on with a lot of worries. So I think the moment that we realized, okay, actually helping people with technology, that it's, it's so amazing. And that's what I want to do. So I think that's where it started. And for me, being able to use my tech, skills, being a computer scientist, to apply uh, and bring new ideas to life in uh, healthcare. That is what drives me to really make an impact uh, in people's lives. Great. Perfect. And Kwabena, do you want to go ahead next with your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, for me, I think it started right after I completed my bachelor's. I My first job was to work in a research institution, and I, I was actually lucky to I work with someone who was working on a UNFPA project where we were looking into um, the impact of malaria on pregnancy. So my responsibility was to uh, collect the data and assist with the, um, the normal uh, data analytics, not the core one. But doing that, uh, I have to go to the field several times to uh, collect the data, understand the people who are behind the data, how the data that we also get uh, are collected and uh, ensure data integrity. 
So um, after that, uh, I had to, I understood that the current system was quite difficult to get the right data. So I had to, um, I think that's why I discovered that about me. I love problem solving and I love making people uh, lives better. So uh, I started investigating or looking into software solutions to make, uh, um, make the data collection easier and also ensure uh, data integrity to um, help with the analysis that uh, we were going to do. And on the back of that, I was able to uh, achieve that goal and um, help with the analysis and to understand some of the issues that happens with malaria and pregnancy and how it affects uh, stillborns in the context of Ghana. That's where I come from. And from that, uh, having the taste of success, I felt like, well, I would love to do this more. And that's where I ventured into uh, using my skills in technology for humanitarian course. Amazing. And Jakob, what about you? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, I mean, I always loved working with IT all from when I was a kid. But to be honest, when I was studying, I mean, I haven't got a clue of what kind of jobs you could get. <laughs> so I would say my my initial uh, career choice was in consulting. I started working for um, uh, Anderson Consulting back in the day, which turned into Accenture. Uh, and I think one of the things I, I found there, I started working with software uh, as, a, as a developer initially, but uh, but but working on different solutions, I found it was it was really um, interesting and satisfying to build solutions used by a lot of people to to help them do their job. Uh, I, th- I think that was uh, yeah that was kind of like an eye opener if you if you do an e-commerce site and and you know there's a ton of people using that all the time. It actually matters if you do uh, do it well or not for for a lot of people. Uh, I would say I've always been experimenting with technology, and that has been my role actually probably in the last 10 years or so, at least where I've uh, been one of the people, you know, trying out new things and figuring out what you could use it for and then starting uh, using it in projects. And and suddenly it was uh, something, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And yeah, data and AI have been a, a big part of that in the later years, starting, you know, from early. Again, you know, you have this new technology, nobody really knows what to use it for, but suddenly things start emerging where you say, ah, this actually has real value, and then you start to to incorporate it. Um, I've been looking a lot into to hardware, actually, in the later years, uh, building robots, and I know Paula, she has that interest as well. She has a really cool blog. You have to see her robot. It's very cool. But 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 I think um, uh, one, of, one of the things that I, at least I learned is that, you know, we've seen a lot of AI and things happening, but... but um, one of the things that probably will be lacking in, in the years to come, that will be around, for example, uh, caregivers in health, uh, taking care of elder people. Uh, there's some really interesting work in, in, for example, prosthetics, where you kind of merge the hardware and the software to make really smart things. And I think that uh, that uh, that is a field that will be coming up. And I think it's uh, something I at least personally would like also to, to work into. Um, yeah, so, so kind of like the merging of hardware and software and how you do that at scale. Uh, we will have a lot of hardware in all the homes helping with a lot of things as everybody gets older. And I think that's that's probably going to be one of the new things. Yeah, great. And Christian? I would love to say that my my path to where I am now is, is just like straightforward and uh, and I knew everything. Everything was planned from age 12 and so on. But in reality, I was just, I was just a nerdy boy, like like many others, and I loved tech and I loved science, and I knew I wanted to go that way, and I probably wanted to build like satellites and spaceships and uh, robots and whatnot. And then you start in university, full of dreams and so on. And then you you discover other things as well. And then I mean, I don't want to 
to extinguish uh, the dreams of having fun. It was just I realized there were many other things as well, which which then led me to a path to to do a PhD as well, which uh, might have been a little bit of a of an I wouldn't say accident incident maybe, um, uh, and it just just led me to have a topic where it was very easy to see that what the impact of using that technology was for the company and and for the environment as well uh, and that's when i realized you can actually work in a commercial setting and still do something which is great for for the world as well um so so it was it was then it really formed me into saying okay i i, I have some skills in tech i am i think i'm pretty good there but 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 ask somebody else what i am but I want to use them for something that makes the world a little bit better. And, and that has sort of been the underlying story of everything I want to do and, and, and the guiding compass. And then I think it's coupled with just a lot of reflection as well. Every time I do something, sit down and say, okay, what actually worked and what didn't work? Um, and then try to find opportunities that gives me a little more of, of what worked and what I found to be fun. And that's why I'm here now and, and still trying to, to make as great as impact as possible. Amazing. All of brilliant reasons and brilliant paths that you've all taken. Um, and Paula, was there anything else that you wanted to touch upon while we were on your topics? I think it's amazing to, to hear the origin story, so to say, of the heroes here on the podcast today. Um, and even if we started uh, all of us differently, I think we're, we have this common thing about curiosity. Curiosity, that's where we start. And then identifying what drives us, what motivates us. And actually, the main thing is using technology for good and making a change in people's lives. So, so it's amazing to, to see uh, this. Um, and maybe a follow-up question, you know, as we work both in, in software and hardware, on where do you guys see that? Uh, how will these two worlds emerge? I think, Jakob, you mentioned a bit about uh, using robots in uh, healthcare. I'm very interested in that, <laughs> trying to build some some robots myself. Um, and then can we put, uh, can we design that with with, Le with Lego? Can we do some uh, home testing maybe uh, to, to test for different things, put camera on or different other uh, sensors to actually detect or uh, prevent some of the uh, healthcare issues today. Where where do you guys think this is going? Any ideas from Christian? That's I mean that's the the million dollar question. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, really, it's I, I would rather say if if I was two years back and had to predict where we are today, I don't think I would have predicted anything like Chat GPT uh, coming out and and the the hype cycle there is around that. I. I think it can go two ways, to be honest. I think either it's just going to be turning out to be massively good, or we are going to to have a more dystopian future. I don't don't really want the latter one, um, and I think that also taps a little bit into what we're going to discuss later of of regulation. And I think there is, I think there's so much potential in in using AI um, and and tech in general, but I also think we need a little bit of of regulation. So whatever we say about GB, uh, GDPR, and I'm, I, I have made my amount of swear words around GDPR. I think it is, <laughs> it is for the good of of society that we actually think about how to use data and when we are allowed to use data as well. But where we are in two years, I, I don't really want to uh, venture a guess. 
because I think it's so there's there's so much potential, and probably we end up in a place that I can't even imagine right now. What are your thoughts, Kobena? Yeah, I totally side with Christine here. I think um, the tech space is a little bit unpredictable at the moment, and looking at the pace at which uh, new things are coming up is, um, I would love to say that uh, things are going to remain quite good, but we also know that in the past, uh, some of the good technology has been used for evil. So I really side with Christian on the need for possibly some sort of um, a guardrail to um, steer some of these uh, uh, um, technologies that are coming forward. But that said, uh, some people are also of the view that um, some of these uh, um, regulations will also stifle innovation. And that is something that we have to also be careful about. But generally, I think uh, we should uh, um, have some sort of um, um, some sort of uh, regulations around some of these new technologies coming up. And Jakob, what about you? Yeah, so I think also to your, your question, Paul, around the hardware, I think there's some uh, um, uh, research institution, among other in Italia, where I see some presentations where they do, for example, amazing things with prosthetics and, and making uh, people that are paralyzed walk again. Uh, and, and I think... Um, it was quite an eye opener to me because you you know when you think about hardware it's pretty mechanical but in reality what they do there is that they take a huge amount of AI uh, glue it together with the human body and couple it up to the hardware so you can essentially have uh, hands that are working almost like exactly as good as your own and I think if you if you're seeing what is happening um, in general in the world you know with the delivery drones and 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 uh, and all sorts of automated things flying around and doing stuff um, and everybody getting older I, I think you know we will probably in our lifetime have uh, robots helping people at home you know to to get out of bed and fetch them stuff and all that and I think one of the things that was interesting to me is that you know uh, I always of course dreamed of having a robot when I was a kid uh, like everybody else probably but but uh, what is interesting interesting again is that the the brain seems to have come before the body and um, we joked a little bit but i think you know when you watch terminator the first time you thought ah that was a cool robot but we are actually pretty close you know to be able to create the robot brain of the terminator uh, but the body is very far behind uh, and it actually turned out to be a lot harder so i think there will be a, a lot of research into creating robots that can safely move among us and, and help us. And, and when everybody's getting elder, elder and more and more old and, and, you know, having a hard time moving around, I think we will see a need for almost like a, 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 a kind of like a robot for every human to help them uh, yeah, in their daily lives. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more on that in the future. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to come to the next subtopic, which is with you, Kwabena, uh, which is the impact that technology has within the humanitarian sector, as well as touching upon making data-driven decisions. But I know here we've, we're made up of a few sectors amongst you guys. So if we go with you first, Kwabena, give your thoughts, any questions or anything that you've got for the rest of the panel. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I think um, in UNHCR Global Communication Service uh, specifically, I think um, data-driven decision-making is, is at the heart of everything that we do. So um, it just imagine UNHCR operates mostly in crisis situations where things move quite quickly. And uh, every decision that you make uh, can also influence whether a mother is going to see the child the next day or someone is going to get the next meal and I mean, it has a plethora of um, effects or long-lasting uh, um, impact on uh, people that you serve. So getting the right data is quite important. So we tend to um, 
almost all the time actually adapt to this whole society approach where we uh, leverage partnerships with uh, the private sector and even uh, the government to help us gather the data for some of these decision making. But uh, the point that uh, we we mentioned earlier, for example, looking at the adverse effects of uh, or the adverse impact of some of these technologies is also quite interesting to me and I would really be happy to hear more about what uh, other people think about uh, uh, this particular subject. <laughs> Jakob, do you want to start off? Yeah, I can start. I think I think uh, it's a it's a great topic uh, because I, I mean I was I was uh, yeah, trying to think about you know what what uh, what areas would help in technology and I think there's actually quite a lot more than what I originally thought about. So. Uh, one part of your question was about data-driven decisions, and I think that's uh, that's hugely important to make sure you spend the resources right and don't do initiatives that doesn't work. So I think obviously measure what works and, and tweak your approach. But uh, but I think the overarching overarching benefit of technology in in um, uh, in this area, I think that that's mainly around you know increasing equality because. Uh, we can see it, it, you can you can take, for example, education and healthcare into places that has been very hard before, and actually give people, you know, even in in a poor country, uh, exactly as good as an education as you get in a Western country, because education, as an example, is an area that scales extremely well. Um, and there's also some very interesting movements over the years in finance, for example, microloans and and crowdfunding is, is driven by technology. I think that has some uh, some great potential. Yeah, so so I think uh, I mean the impact of technology in, in humanitarian sector is actually really really large, and and especially this thing about uh, yeah making people more equal by by giving them some of the same benefits as as in the Western world. I think that's a, probably the main one I would have. Yeah. Any thoughts from you, Paula? Yeah, I think um, as we are talking here about the technology a lot, uh, but actually my concern is how does the technology play? Uh, in the current workflow of the healthcare system or the available solutions. Um, so it could be that we think of a high-tech uh, solution capturing data and we get so uh, in love with, with the technology side that we can forget about the who we're doing this for, uh, for patients, for people around the world. So I think um, one thing that I just wanted to bring up is to let's not forget the the human aspect <laughs> start with the human and the workflow my, what makes sense and then technology second finding the answer to the actual problem yeah that's a good point and christian what about you <laughs> yeah that's what that's a hard one to follow up on isn't it um i think both in in terms of developmental areas i think technology plays or can play a big uh, a big part so everything, technology from from cleaner water, giving electricity to to areas, um, to not least information uh, and education, it, it can be a great help. But also in in terms of disasters, um, when you're trying to to help out in a disaster area, I think technology can help speed up the response and improve the response, um, making sure that the things are getting in the right places and is used for for the best uh, or, or the maximum effect that they can have. But I also agree with you, Paula, that in the end, it's, it's, it is about humans and let's not forget them. And I think data sets can be a little bit cold sometimes, but maybe that's 
unfortunately, if a disaster happens, also there is a need to make hard choices. If you can't save everyone, who should you save? And and maybe we can actually use some of these things. But I think it it, it can play a big role. Um, and and not least in collaboration with humans. I think there's many of the disaster relief organizations are highly dependent on a lot of uh, humans to do the work. And I think the coordination and communication and making sure that things work smoothly and they do the right things can be uh, an accelerator for uh, for disaster recovery. Yeah, good point again. Corbena, did you have any other follow-up questions or other thoughts? No, I think um, what everyone said, uh, excellent. Uh, on the back of what, uh, Paula, you mentioned um, about the human-centered approach, I 100% agree on that. Um, but maybe a follow-up question that I would put forward is that considering that there have been increasingly um, limited resources, especially in the private sector where uh, being for profit and looking at profit margins is quite key to um, some of the existence. Sometimes what we have seen is that human-centered uh, centered design takes a little bit of a backseat and profit-centered approach takes a bit on the front. That means that, for example, um, consideration to something like uh, data privacy and also um, how um, these data is actually going to be used, uh, all these things are sometimes neglected. So how can we ensure that uh, the private sector, which is always uh, one of the key stakeholders in the humanitarian sector and uh, providing uh, solutions or serving people uh, who are forced to flee, um, will uh, bake this into how uh, um, they work. Mm, interesting. Any thoughts? I have one at least. So, so I think it was, um, I, I think, I mean, obviously I agree on the human factor, but I think also, as you say, there's, there's some... Uh, very low practical things around scarcity of resources. So, I mean, and it doesn't have to be super high-tech analytics or anything, but just, you know, for example, um, I, I had done a number of projects in healthcare, for example, and one of the big challenges there was that people were simply using the product wrong and didn't get the effect. So, for example, if you have a medicine or other kind of health products and can, with simple digital solutions, maybe even on a phone, actually guide the people to using them right, it makes a huge difference in how well the products work. And I think uh, uh, those kind of digital solutions, they scale very well. So uh, so at least for me, I think it, 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 it shouldn't be, you know, big AI projects, everything. It can also be, you know, health or, or you know, uh, here's a doctor app that can help you diagnose uh, common diseases. And, and it's extremely helpful if you don't have access to a doctor, uh, but maybe have a phone in, in where you are. So. I think that's that's one of the I think that's one of the key things to to developing tech when it comes to to things like these areas is that how do we scale it down? I mean, I, I have a tendency to always think in in twenty four seven online big application cloud enabled. If you are in a I don't know earthquake area, to to think of the recent disaster, horrible disaster happening in Turkey. I'm pretty sure a huge amount of the infrastructure, so electricity, mobile network, stuff like that, is is wiped out at the same time. So how do you actually make low-tech solutions that can still use some of the advances we have in technology? I think that's a very interesting problem to to try to solve. And I'm not I'm not an expert in this area, but I'm not sure it's solved very well right now. Any other thoughts? And interesting what you mentioned there, and I recently had to. Uh, develop a feature for software solution to uh, work offline. Initially, the product was designed 
so that oh you always have internet connection it's kind of a, a <laughs> an assumption we make but then realizing okay but what is our target audience who are we doing this for will they actually have internet connection all the time so that was an interesting feature to to develop um another thought that i had is if one one potential way to go forward is to do quick testing right do a quick pilot of the potential technology test it out to see if it actually even makes sense or you don't even need to include any ai and more complex things quick pilot and quick iterations of of the solution perfect okay so we will move on then and we'll come to you next christian so you've asked how do you make sure that the work you carry out in the team is aligned with the overall great mission of the company what's your experience with this i think overall that a lot of people in tech are very curious and very interested in tech for the sake of tech um and then there are some of us who are very purpose-driven and and for me to really see sort of the or get inspired to to do my best piece of work. I need to be able to link it to some greater purpose. Um, so I'm just curious because I'm I, I like to spend a lot of time actually figuring out what is the impact that we're trying to make, and then figure out how do we how do we measure whether that works for for the intended purpose, um, rather than just doing AI for the sake of AI. And I'm just curious to see how how other people uh, stay motivated about this, but also. Uh, and 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 motivate others to to do the same thing. Jakob, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was a great question, Christian. Um, I think through through my career, to be honest, I I probably um, have done a lot of things that was not aligned with the overall mission of the company. If I saw a new great technology, AI among them, I also worked quite a lot with the game engines at some point in time because I thought that was really cool. But but I, I think what has, at least I have learned, is that that very often these technologies, you end up using them for the intended purposes because it ends up becoming the mission somehow later on. And I think um, uh, what I believe in actually is not so much doing always what you're told, but I do believe that you need to have a an overall purpose, I mean, and, and, and an inner sense of what you believe is right, a set of, a set of values, essentially. And I think more and more people are essentially choosing to work for a company that shares those values. And if you then believe you see some technology that at least somewhere down the road can can support that purpose and value, you, it, I think it's okay to start doing it. And, and it would probably turn out to be aligned with the overall vision and mission somewhere down the road. Um, yeah, so my advice is, is, you know, you shouldn't always do something aligned with the mission uh, if you see something that you believe has potential for the greater good at some point in time. So Fair enough. Very interesting point. And Kovena? Yeah, um, that is a really, really interesting point, Christian. But uh, from my side, I will say that um, my choice of technology has always been informed by the problem at stake. So whatever um, actually gets me the results to save the lives of people or help the organization or the agency do uh, what uh, it does is what informs my my, my tech stack, basically. So um, what keeps me motivated is, I, I believe, was one of the questions that you asked. I think personally, for example, um, as part of the analytics work, we assist in um, understanding the crisis situation. So, for example, you have an alert that um, a group of people are stuck in the Mediterranean and are getting drowned. Then immediately um, you have to 
employ some of the technology that we have in-house to liaise with other people who are well equipped to deal with some of these things to save the lives of these people. And when you sit back and you go home and you read this in the news that uh, X number of people have been saved, you know that the little thing that you did contributed to the long chain in getting that done. And for me, although I'm not in the front or being on camera, I feel like, yes, at least I, I sent an email somewhere that actually contributed to getting this done. And that uh, keeps me going every day and knowing that uh, my purpose is also helpful. Amazing. Um, Paula? Yeah, I also put uh, the purpose uh, first and then the technology. Um, and I'm willing to give up the technology if the solution is a piece of paper. <laughs> um, I think from from my experience, both in the bigger corporate world and the startup world, um, it might be different when hiring and communicating in the organization. Uh, for the startup environment, um, I think it makes it easier is if everyone that is hired is very aligned with the mission of the company, really is purpose-driven. That's their motivation to actually do some good. It's much easier than to uh, let people make the right choices. And in a startup, you do have more uh, autonomy <laughs> uh, when we are ju just a few people, right? So the importance of having that purpose in mind uh, is, is super important. In the corporate world, I think uh, continuous communication and sometimes doing reality checks uh, on what uh, is it that we're doing. One of the nice examples that I saw from the previous uh, company I worked on, a pharma company here in Denmark, was actually creating some seminars where we would, we would uh, invite patients, the patients that we were developing treatments for, and hearing their story. <laughs> and that was very powerful. Uh, message to to kind of get that motivation and understanding why is it that we're doing this um, because it can be quite a huge gap from from like the overall mission of the company and um, looking at at some data points and some graphs. I just have a quick question for myself, which could seem quite silly considering you have all agreed to do a podcast on using tech for good. Um, but would you turn down a job based on their company values? You didn't agree. Christian? Uh, the short answer there is absolutely yes. Uh, there are several companies where I found what sounded to be very interesting positions that I simply said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to work uh, in those areas. And it's not necessarily that they are wrong areas. It's just areas I don't want to support. Yeah, yeah. Completely understandable. Kovena, what about you? Well, personally, I think I'll find it very draining on my side. So it's totally uh, something that I will not even consider. Nice. I assume everyone is in agreement here then. Yeah. Everyone's head nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. It was, I did kind of think that that would be the answer, but I was just curious to think. And then, then but, but I think, I think it's a, sorry. No, I, I, just to add to that, I think we're in, we, we're lucky enough to be in a field right now of technology, at, at least in Denmark, which is, is pretty highly sought after. So you, you, you don't need to, to take a job just to have money enough to pay your rent. You can actually decide to, to, to choose a job that you, you have a passion for as well. And I, it's a great situation and I'm happy to be in it. I just think it's, it's, it's worth exploiting as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but, but I think I think it's it's a trend in the later years that you know a lot of uh, people you hire they are they are very purpose driven and I think it's it's very healthy. But that means you, you as a company you know cannot just think about making money. You actually have to think about how you're doing it and do it in a responsible way. And I think there's uh, many 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 good things about that uh, that that also holds the employee employers accountable. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. for for doing good things. So I think that's uh, yeah, it, it it's a it, it's a definite trend all over the place 100 percent, yeah and christian was there anything else that you wanted to touch upon on this topic no i think i think it's fine i'm i'm just, I'm just curious to to see uh purpose or, or happy to meet purpose-driven people um, yeah yeah it's good it has been a really nice podcast so far it, I, it usually they're all technical but it's so nice to just kind of hear your experiences and and that you are doing things for good i suppose so that'll bring us finally to Jakob. last but not least and you'd like to have a bit of a discussion around the the whole idea of the ai pause with the question Mm. of should we regulate ai and if so how could that be done so do you want to elaborate a little bit for us i i can do that so so i think it's it's a rarely i'm worried about technology but i'm a little bit worried now and i think um if you've been following AI for the later years, I think it's so interesting. Even a few years ago, you know, the main worry from everybody was, you know, when are we going to achieve uh, what is called singularity? I mean, when is the AI as smart as humans? And uh, what will happen when that, uh, when we have that singularity? Will we have Skynet and, and the AI will take over everything? But actually what has happened even in the last year with all the generative AIs is that uh, it, it, the much bigger short-term threat is actually, you know, uh, humans using AI to do very bad things very fast and very easily, um, both for, for imagine, you know, cybercrime or writing huge amount of fake content, uh, getting that indexed by Google and then swaying public opinion in, in ways that are very bad and, and completely untrue of, of the actual opinions of people. So I think, you know, now we can do bad things at scale a lot easier than ever before. So that's one worry. The other one is that AI is in many areas gotten so good that it's almost like unfair to the original creators. If you've seen some of the new voice AIs, uh, they can do, for example, cloning of voice actors that are indistinguishable from the real thing uh, or, or, you know, generating images and pictures that you can use. So there's there's definitely a lot of jobs going away or at least getting uh, heavily reduced very quickly. And a lot of the discussions in, in the later months has been around the big, uh, there's been this talk from, from Musk around the AI polls going after the big AI labs. But I think, you know, if, if you're working with this stuff, a lot of the things you can do at home, I mean, uh, many things are open source. So, so it doesn't really help to shut down the big AI labs. I think things will continue anyway. So, so I think that's my my. I, I don't know what you know exactly the answer is, but uh, but you know, should you regulate the creators or the users? Or how would you handle that? So I'm I'm interested in you hearing your opinion on that. I think my own short opinion is is probably you know that you probably need some rules. It could be somewhere along the same lines as we have against insider trading uh, trading or, or things like that, where you're probably punishing the people using the AI for bad things more than the creators. But um, yeah, it seems just like it's a, it's a very powerful technology that we are putting in the hands of everybody almost for free, and they can do with it whatever they want at the moment, which uh, there has to be something bad coming out of that somehow. Well, Ben, I've been watching you nod in agreement the whole <laughs> way through that. So what, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with Jakob here. I think um, sometimes I feel like um, the rate at which uh, things are getting, uh, people are, it's now relatively easier to get your hands on some of these uh, AI technology, which can be very, very uh, um, negative um, towards humankind generally. But that said, I also think that um, it also pre presents us with very uh, big opportunity for us to scale positively, uh, whilst also giving us the opportunity for some of the few bad actors to also do uh, negative style as stuff uh, um, quite on a large scale, as Jacobi put it. But also, I believe that yes, um, there has to be some sort of regulation. I think um, that's one of my earlier submission when I talked about the need for some sort of a, a guardrails to uh, um, ensure that people are actually using the technologies that are available uh, uh, wisely. But that said, um, it shouldn't also stifle the rate at which we are developing because technology is also helping many organizations, including startups, to also make incredible uh, impact and saving quite a lot of lives in the world generally. So that should also be at the back of our heads when we are thinking about uh, regulations not to stifle uh, um, developments. And that's definitely what makes it that bit more difficult um, because there is the, the good and the bad side to it. And where do you draw the line, I suppose? Paula? What are your thoughts? I think definitely regulation is very important. And things like if we like your example, Jacob, on voice cloning, who actually owns the voice? And are you allowed to use that for those kind of cases? I think there should be clear rules, uh, regulations in, in place on, on the usage. Uh, but I do not think it's a 100 percent solution. Mm -hmm. it, I don't think it's the only solution, so some regulation, but I think we also need to think about a change in society on how we create and process information. Um, also, for example, in, in a lot of information that might be fake that we see, for example, from some of my colleagues, I'm, I'm getting uh, um, information about the report or something or from people outside, how do I know if they have written it or they just put some uh, some things in ChatGPT and then got a very professional email out of it, right? Uh, I mean, that mindset of questioning things and what to say it's true and how do we actually go around the information that, that we get. Um, and maybe it's less important in the professional setting, but how we interact with outside companies and the society as a whole. I think that's the huge danger is that everyone now has access to, to this technology. So I think there needs to be also a change in how we perceive things in, in society. 100%, yeah. And Christian, what about you? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think the jury is still out in this one. I'm, I realized over the last couple of months, everyone seemed to have been an AI expert. And I, I, I realized there's a lot going on, especially with ChatGPT coming out. And to be honest, I think this starts a lot with a lot more education around what they can and cannot do right now. Because on one hand, everyone seems completely uh, inspired by ChatGPT. And I think there's a, there are a lot of opportunities with it. But when you start looking at it from a tech perspective, what it is is really a language model that is very good at chatting, 
and give plausible answers, but it, it doesn't actually fact check anything. So it, it gives plausible answers that might be completely wrong and, and, and not realizing what it actually is. This is not a general intelligence. This is a, this is a language model. And, and starting to realize that, I think people will be slightly more critical <laughs> towards it. Um, and, and I think there are other aspects, especially if you start using it in a, in a company context where whether there are some data issues of, of where does the data you use or put into it end up. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think Microsoft or OpenAI are particularly uh, uh, evil companies or anything. So it's not like I think they're trying to lure your data out of you. But, but right now I haven't investigated enough and I honestly don't know where that data end up. It might end up in the training set and then it could leak later on. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot about educating people in general, all the, 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 the now AI experts, into what, what does this technology do and, and doesn't do. Um, but seeing over the last half year to a year of generative AI in general, there's just been a massive uh, uh, development, uh, both, uh, as, as Jacob says, within voice, within image, within chat. So it just seems to be very pervasive and, and figuring out how to use that. And obviously, any tech you can use for good, you can also use for evil. I mean, I don't think I don't think anything has been developed that can't be used for some kind of evil. Um, drones, as an example, they can use to to deliver packages or, or take uh, remove people from dangerous jobs by doing inspections in, in high hazard environments. They can also be used to deliver weapons. Um, that that that's just the nature of it. They can use to be deliver or surveil things, uh, whether use it for good or evil. And I don't think AI is is any different. Um, and I'm I'm not sure we're I don't know how close we are to singularity. I'm not sure we're that close actually. Um, but it seems that we're moving a lot closer, very very fast. I think that point is 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 a is a point worth discussing of of where do we end up. Just to touch on what you said there about people using it for evil, I suppose that's really a change in society that you would need to see more than anything. And if everyone was to have the same good values as you guys, we wouldn't have these problems of worrying about who's using it, what they're using it for, and so on. Um, but Jakob, was there any other questions or anything else you wanted to touch on within this topic? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, the, the current rhetoric is, is in my mind a little bit wrong because, you know, there's a lot of focus on restricting what companies do. If, and, and I currently work in a financial institution as an example. I mean, there's there's a lot of regulations. So we are not ever going to do anything bad anyway. So, I mean, it, we don't even need more rules for that. And and uh, I saw also, you know, like Italy have blocked, you know, the use of chat GPT as an example. But, but to be honest, I don't think that helps a lot because, you know, everybody can can pull down an open source version of something which is maybe not exactly as good, but still very, very good. Uh, you can uh, remove all the bias filters if you want. So all the all the safeguards they put in place, they're pretty easily removable. And then you can do whatever you want. So I think it's more probably making uh, people accountable for how they use it uh, and, and how they spread information. And, and, and uh, to be honest, I don't even know the legality of that, you know, if I if I went home and generated ten thousand fake articles and started posting them all over the place, uh, that's probably not legal. But you know, I I don't actually know. But I think that that should probably be punished fairly hard. I mean, it's it, again I mentioned earlier insider trading. It's 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 an easy thing to do, but it's very legal. Uh, and maybe this should be the same thing here: is that uh, if you are using AI that that actually hurts people or society in general. 
even though it's very easy, maybe you shouldn't actually be allowed to do it or, or there should be some sort of, of punishment. And my, my worry, you know, to, to sum up is that, uh, I mean, you can almost like imagine you, you ruin the internet by, by having fake information and fake articles all over the place because you cannot trust anything. And some, some are trying to, to filter their way out of that, but that's also very hard. So that will be, a, a, again, one of my concerns is that if everything is fake, how do you actually know where the value is? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, do we have any other final thoughts before we finish up for today? No? All good. Okay, so we will leave it there. Those were some really interesting thoughts and topics amongst all of you. Um, and I just want to thank you all, uh, Jakob, Paula, Covena and Christian, for providing these really interesting insights to well your experience and the companies you work for and so on. Um, and it's good to see that you all enjoy doing things for the better good. Um, so hopefully everyone else can take something away from this. Uh, maybe now that if you're listening, you might decide to go down a different route in your career to do better in the world like these guys um, and thank you all for listening and if you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts please do reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, so I hope you've enjoyed listening this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast see you next time